right, all right. Joy. Joy is the subject matter today. I, I love, let me just say this. I love that Paul includes joy in the fruit of the Spirit. Because much of the fruit of the Spirit is, is fairly serious. Um, as, a, as a pastor or a preacher, I can prepare messages and, and have, you know, kind of layers of intensity layers of seriousness, and the fruit of the Spirit is wonderful. I mean, when you read over it, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great directive to our lives. And I do believe we take our faith very seriously, somebody, okay? I do believe Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, but I also believe he has a smile on his face. And one of the things I love about the Gospels is to remind people that it is good news it is good news maybe you grew up in a church where the pastor preached in such a way that you left thinking wow he knows a lot about hell but not much about heaven like like every time he got up man he was angry he had some good old sweat running down his face, and his Bible, man, you felt it was about to chop your head off every Sunday. And let me tell you, I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Not a big fan of condemnation, but I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I do believe in intensity. I do believe in taking the Word of God profoundly serious and surrendering our lives and submitting our will to Him. And even so, I'm so glad that the Apostle Paul, who from my vantage point of reading his letters, is pretty serious and intense. He found it appropriately and spirit-inspired um, spirit to put in his characteristics of a life yielded and surrendered to the Holy Spirit, joy. Joy in the midst of trials, Joy in the midst of the storms of life. Joy traveling through the valleys, the grief, the difficulties. Paul would say one of the fruits, not the only, but one part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. In fact, let's read these together. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You'll see joy pop up in some of Paul's other writings, some of his other letters. It's like, like a pair of twinsies. Joy and peace are almost all, always found together. Joy and peace, joy and peace, joy and peace. And peace, and I love it because Paul is one who would know how difficult life can be. He would be one who, who would know and experience some, some missed expectations, some tremendous offenses, some physical sufferings as well. And yet, instead of running in the other direction, he lifted his arms and received the love of God poured out in the Holy Spirit. And so he could have an eternal peace, an eternal joy. 
And so I want to give you permission today to experience joy <laughs> in your walk with God. To experience joy, peace. And another, another characteristic that would be coupled with joy and peace is the word hope. And I think that's one of the distinctives of us followers of Jesus is that we can be quite hopeful in the midst of difficult situations. You ever find that about yourself? Have you ever experienced a dark day and been surprised at how well you're handling the difficulty? Come on, when you know if you were to ask your friends what they thought about the disappointment and the difficulty, they would have said, you crazy. And yet, you find yourself joyful. You find yourself at peace. Can I tell you what that is? That's the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside. That when existentially or externally all hope may seem lost, Christ followers know that it's not done. The Savior wasn't laid to rest. He rose again. And so I love, I love this theme of joy. I wrote down a few passages. If you're one who likes to take some time and maybe kick this word around, let me, let me uh, equip you with a few verses out of Scripture that, that talk about joy or rejoicing. First up is Psalm 33, verse 1. It says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Befitting is the praise of the upright. Habakkuk 3.18. I won't take time to detail it, but coming off of the hinges of some pretty downcast verses, Habakkuk in 3.18, he says, Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Philippians 4.4, I love this. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Little FYI, Paul's writing Philippians from prison. All right? Let that land as it should. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice at all times. Jesus' first miracle, I do like this, was turning water to wine at a wedding. I mean, come on. Doesn't that hit every religious nerve in your body? I mean, we got the Gospel of John, and I love, I love growing up how in certain circles, well, you know, it was non-alcoholic wine. What? Anyhow, uh, Jesus' first miracle, and what I mean by that is, his first miracle is sustaining joy at a wedding. I mean, he could have seen the participants and thought, oh man, it's going to get ugly if the wine runs out. I don't know his motive for doing it. All I got is, he did it. And I love, part of, part of the, one of the little threads I love about the Chosen um, video series is a Jesus who smiles. Yes, a Jesus who has difficulties. And yes, a Jesus who experienced tremendous suffering and pain. But at the same time, one who knew that as he yielded and surrendered to his Father's will and came up under that covering all the days of his life, he experienced the joy. The joy. I love Matthew eleven nineteen. If 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 the wedding thing, water to wine thing didn't do it for you. Matthew eleven nineteen, by the religious leaders, okay, by the pastors, by the teachers, by the bishops, by the leadership of the day, Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. Matthew chapter eleven nineteen. Why, Jesus, are you you so frivolous, wasting your time? I think a lot can happen around a meal, one thing. And I think joy can be present. You know, 
irrespective of the spiritual direction today. Even people who know nothing of God know that joy is a game changer in life. Joy happening in community, in relationship, in friendship. But joy for us as believers, hear this, hear this, it is something spiritual. It, it is differentiated by, then, by, 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 by simply having all externals going in our way. Joy is something we inherit. It's one of the characteristics of following Jesus. It's profound. It's profound. It's not simply happiness, and I'm all about being happy, but it's not happiness. It's joy. There's a, there's a texture, if you will, of eternity wired into it. That as we receive Jesus, as we receive His Holy Spirit, and as Paul would encourage us, stay in step with the Spirit. As we stay in step with the Spirit, joy, it's not something we strive towards. Joy is a byproduct of that lifestyle. I want to take a quick moment. I'm going to, I'm going to steal some pastor notes here. These are, uh, these are from Pastor Chris Hodges. Awesome pastor. Heads up our freedom curriculum. He wrote, if you've been through freedom, he wrote that curriculum. But he heads up <clears throat> a great church called Church of the Highlands in Birmingham. Um, and he has, uh, I, I love these thoughts. He differentiates really well between happiness and joy. And I love him so much, I thought I'd share him with you. Really quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll go through these. But he says here, happiness is external. Joy is internal. I like that. That, that resonated with me a little bit. Because I found, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to say I'm so spiritual, but I have found there's been days and moments where happiness <laughs> isn't on the table, but yet joy is. You know? It's like a bad comedy show. I'm not laughing. But joy, it may not always be laughing, but underneath the surface, there's contentment. There's peace. There's hope. There's long-suffering or patience. See, in America will sell us on happiness, somebody. America will sell us day in and day out on happiness. And for some of us, our past cycles of life, we can get sold on happiness, right? Just one more drink, just one more hit, just one more relationship, just one more. You could fill in the blank. And it promises something that can never be fulfilled. And America sells us big time. I mean, it, it's so good at it. We can get one day shipping on some of it. I mean, it can be fast. But you can still find yourself externally happy and get internally void. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, notice this, this is Paul again writing, separate book, 2 Corinthians, he says, we are being what? Renewed day by day. Isn't that remarkable? Outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the external, right? But on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Love that. Happiness isn't external. Joy is 
internal. Excuse me, happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is based on Christ. <laughs> I was rereading these. It's a message Chris Hodges delivered several years ago, but I was rereading those notes. I found myself saying, amen, amen, amen. I was just reading a few of the points. Happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is based on Christ. Philippians 4.11, notice this, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Oh, that's a good verse. And a hushed amen fell over the crowd. Happiness happens by chance. Joy happens by choice. That's a good one, isn't it? Deuteronomy 30, 19, the end of Moses' days, he would say this, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. I love, as I said at the beginning, that the Apostle Paul weaves into these characteristics of the Holy Spirit the eternal principle of joy. I mean, you remember, let, let's go back, right? Let's go back to the moment you stepped into relationship with God. I mean, I, sometimes we have to jog the memory because some of you, you, you've got to jog a little farther than others, okay? But you remember how low life was? I mean, you remember how literally everything could not fulfill like let down after let down after let down after let down. Or maybe, maybe it was the moment that you thought, wait, what? My past can be what? Forgiven? As if it, if it never existed. What is, what is that? It's the goodness of God on display in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And you remember how maybe everything didn't change. It's been a journey, right, of being set free and walking out. Faithfully obeying God's word, make mistakes, getting back up. All of that's in the mix. But you remember how when it first started, the joy that you sensed, the joy that you felt. That's what Paul's getting at when he talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He isn't inviting us, hey, just, just fake it. Just figure it out. Just No, he's saying as we abide in Christ, as we remain rooted and connected in him, we get this eternal joy. We get to experience this joy. So I, in our remaining moments, want to share a few. These are, these are pretty practical. A few things to cultivate joy in our lives. To cultivate joy. I think you're going to be like, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't think any of these are going to catch you off by surprise. But nonetheless, I've, I felt this would be a good direction for us. In cultivating joy, the first is that thought, abide in Jesus. Like, here's the deal, here's the deal. If I can, just let me step on your toes briefly. I won't stay long. Deal? Deal. Some of you want a little longer? Okay, deal. I'll accept. No. Abide in Jesus. This is a churchy statement. It's a churchy phrase. And what could happen in this moment is you hear it, you read it, and you say, check mark. And then you step out of these doors and go back to pure chaos, pure frenzy, pure, I thought I could get it in three seconds every day. Abiding in Jesus 
means. Flow, swing, down, a bit, pausing, reflecting, calming ourselves. To be in his presence, to experience his love, it means intentionally moving at a God-ordained pace. It means, despite how difficult it can be, cultivating pockets of His presence throughout the day. Moments where we remain in an abiding state with the Lord, right? So there's always a testimony on the table of our lives. What God is speaking to us now, what God is doing in us now. Many times... We confuse our testimony for our history. History is way back when you gave your life to Christ. Testimony is what you've been doing since. Have you been cultivating that relationship? But Paul and Silas, you read the book of Acts, and their chain in Thessalonica And it's midnight, and they're singing songs and praises and hymns. It just kind of came out of the joy that they have because of the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is really best experienced in an abiding relationship with Jesus. John 17, 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. God's looking for a relationship. Man, he's looking. I was talking with my daughter. She said, Dad, here's the deal. What am I supposed to journal about? And I'm that dad, man. You give me an inch, I'm going to take a mile. So I was like, is this an early birthday present? What is this? (laughs) But Lily's like, listen, I do, I, do the, I do the gratitude list like every time I journal. But after a while, it's all the same thing, I said. Oh, that's pretty good. I said, the gratitude list won't let you down. Top ten things you're thankful for. Those are good. You can always do that. But I said, you know, God wants relationships. So I shared with her some of the things I've been practicing a little bit. A little elbow plug to emotionally healthy spirituality. But he proposes asking a few questions to get that connection with God, but to process what's happening on the inside. He, he says, hey, write down what, what am I mad about? Or like, what am I angry about? What am I sad about? What am I happy or excited or glad about? And he, and he mentions that, so I threw that out to my daughter. I'm not sure if she was listening or not, but, you know, hope for the best. But it's an abiding, listen, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's a God, hey, here's some of my difficulties. What do you speak about it? Here's some of my problems. What are you saying about it? Here's some of my expectations. And God, you're really missing them. What do you say about that? That's a relational, relational practice. And it's what you and I are invited into. And it also, here's what's amazing. It'll slow us down to receive the joy that comes from heaven. 
I love this. Luke 5, 16. Jesus isn't asking anything of us he didn't practice, right? So Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. I love that. John 10, 10. Abiding in Jesus, Jesus gives us this promise. I've come that they may have life to the full. Amen? Experience the love and the knowledge, the depths of God. Sometimes God's wanting to change the posture of our hearts when we're walking through a difficult spot. Sometimes He wants to transform our, our view of Him from an ATM debit machine to a Heavenly Father who cares for us enters into the pain and suffering, heals us, brings a peace. There's any line of thread that God's doing in our lives, but it's cultivated by abiding in Jesus, slowing down to meet with him, to pray. The other two are super practical, okay? Cultivating joy. Second, (laughs) you have permission, all right? You have permission as a follower of Jesus to know what brings you joy, all right? And to schedule it in your life. Okay? Know what brings you joy. Ecclesiastes 8.15. Bit of wisdom for us. So I commend the enjoyment of life. That would sound better in a British accent, wouldn't it? Because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, drink, and you've maybe heard it, and be merry. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Ecclesiastes 8.15. Know what brings you joy. Okay, let me encourage you. Know what fills your cup. Know what delight looks like in your life and schedule it. Schedule some fun. Schedule some joy. Schedule some appropriate, right? Let's keep it legal. Not that I need to keep that or say that on the table. It should be assumed, but let me say it nonetheless. Keep it legal and know what brings you joy. Like it's important, right? If every day is a struggle, if every day is a toil, if every season is dark and wilderness, and then you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Enjoy, delight. It's one of the reasons I promote trying your hardest (laughs) to schedule out a Sabbath. It may not be a full Sabbath day, but may be able to be a portion of time where you can get your cups filled up. The four principles of a Sabbath are to stop, to rest, and I love the third, that word, I think we miss it sometimes, delight, delight. Think on that word. What do you delight in? And fourth is, of course, just to, just to contemplate, to sit back and reflect. I'll, I'll, I'll bring this to you. I remember uh, on the talk just getting some coaching from someone, and I had, I had spent probably at that time about 45 minutes explaining how, um, how tough things were, how anxious my thoughts were, how exhausted I am, how stressed out. And they were good listeners, so they're just like, oh, okay, okay, well, great. And then they said, well, well, hey, on a scale of one to ten, um, you know, how's your faith? I'm like, oh, you know, my relationship with God, it's, you know, seven, seven-ish. Great, great, okay, great, yeah, cool. 
Um, well, well on, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how's your marriage? Great. Don't ask my wife. But it's about an 8. It's an 8 from my vantage point, you know. You know. Uh, they're like, well, great. Great, you know. And, and they're like, well, how's this? And all, all high number. And then they had the audacity to say, well, how much fun are you having? And I hung up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, what does fun have to do with any of this? They said, well, Paul, your personality type and your wiring, you're so laser focused all the time. And when a plan hasn't worked out how you planned, your idea isn't to surrender and receive. It's to strive more. And I said, tell me I'm not paying you for this painful information. You know? They said, how much fun are you having? And then they said, that's something very important to your day-to-day living, is that you enjoy life. It's all throughout Scripture. I love this, that on the sixth day, God created man and woman, his, his you know, ultimate creation, and declared it is good. And then what was the first day for humans? Rest. Sabbath. Crazy. God didn't take Sabbath and then think, whew, we've got to muster up some strength to make these humans. No. Created order, bringing order out of chaos, creation, incredible unfolding. And then humans, kind of the, the, not, not the only prize, but kind of the ultimate pinnacle of the creative story. And then, hey, your first move is rest. Rest. I'd propose in order to get abide in Jesus right, we've got to be willing to receive the rest. To know that as Colossians says, Christ is holding all things together. This person on the phone is there like, how much fun are you having? Is there pinpointing? It's a simple question, but it's a painful question because it gets in the area of trust. And if we're control freakishly characterized, we've got to strive to make things happen. And unfortunately, that can work well outside. But in the kingdom of God, we're in a receiving posture. Yes, we do everything under the Lord. Yes, we do everything with excellence. Yes, we put our best foot forward. Yes to all those things. But yes to joy. Yes to rest. Yes to the mystery unfolding of the kingdom of God within us. That when our back's against the wall and like Paul and Silas chained in prison, we do a little cough (coughs) and then we sing. God, you're so good. The beauty of joy, that eternal thread coming from the inside, abiding in Jesus. Know what brings you joy. Just as equally important as know what brings you joy, know who brings you joy. All right? And schedule that into your life as well. Beginning to live a life where we prioritize relationships and friendships and groups and community, and all these different things, we find ourselves in a place of delight. Sometimes when a problem hits, you call the stressed out, freaked out person, 
when you should be calling the fun person. You've got to know what you can give and receive from others. And sometimes it's important in community and relationship and in life to take these places and take these, these pieces of, of life very, very sincerely. Abide in Jesus. Know what brings you joy. Know who brings you joy. I love Proverbs 18, 24. It speaks of this. There is a friend who speaks closer than a brother. It's a beautiful. You may not have that right now. God will bring them. In due course, don't lose heart. It's not you. It's not them. It's the Lord's timing. Be at peace. But Proverbs 18, it says, listen, there is a friend who speaks closer than a brother. What, what, what's that getting at? It's getting at the, the source of that life-giving relationship and friendship. Amen? So my heart, my heart for us is as we continue in this series, week, week in and week out for the next several weeks, just looking at the fruit of the Spirit, is that there's a statement really none of us can argue with. And that is right now, the, the church in our nation has lost sight of its witness in the world. We've, we've been about different agendas and focused on things we thought. We thought we thought they would change our culture, and they haven't. They've let us down tremendously. We've made idols of things we never should have made idols of, thinking they were a way to get our so-called nation back. Some of them are good. Some of them we should participate in. But sometimes in our striving and in our focus, we've lost sight of character. We've lost sight of the slow, patient work of the Holy Spirit. We've chosen sometimes flashiness. We've chosen things that can kind of get quick attention. But God's calling for us. Listen, God's calling for you. He's calling for me to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. He's calling for us step up into the character of Christ. And as we stay in step with the Spirit, here's a beautiful picture. As we slow down to meet with Jesus, to, to really take His words seriously, to let them sear our hearts, and to love God well and love the person next to us in any given moment as Christ would love them. It forges a witness in our nation that provokes the lost to say, what on earth? How? How? How, Apostle Paul, are you rejoicing in a prison? How are you doing that? How, how Silas, are you, <clears throat> you know, harmonizing so well on all the, the best songs in that moment? Because Paul and Silas knew Christ's likeness was their portion. And God, my hope is through this series that you'll be reminded of again. Listen, we're not, we're not claiming and asking you to be perfect. Good Lord, we let that go years ago. We want to be healthy. When we fumble and make mistakes, man, we want to get back up and stay consistent 
and keep moving forward. And here's what will happen, slowly but surely. The lost will be provoked to ask, Dad, what is up? And here's what's crazy. You won't have to go beat down doors to share the gospel. (laughs) People will be knocking on your door wanting to know what is different about you. You'll be able to point to the one who makes all the difference. And that's what Paul's getting at with the Galatian church. You want to know what's crazy? The theme, the thread of the Galatian church is religion. That Paul preached the gospel to them, and they received it gladly. And then they threw it out because they wanted to follow religious rules. It's all about circumcision and Jewish tradition and law. And Paul comes along and says, yo, 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 who's bewitched you? Why would you go back into a yoke of slavery? Live in the freedom of the Spirit. Abide in Christ. That as you do that, the fruit will come to pass. Amen? And so that's why we want to, I want to just plead with you, encourage you, man, keep fixing your eyes on Jesus. Keep receiving his peace, his goodness, and know this, God is going to be faithful in your life time and time again. Amen?